everybody back themselves after our guys put a beat down on them earlier this year. In Golden State. DeRozan right to the hole. He ties the game at 98. DeRozan's got 20 to lead the way to the Spurs. Make him make that shot from the outside. DeRozan pulls up from the elbow. Get it! Welcome to Views from the Clutch. I go by the name of Smart Alex. I'm here with my brother from another. See, Grant. Yes, sir. And we're here to bring you another episode of Views from the Clutch. This is the trade deadline edition. These are going to be back-to-back drops, y'all see. Y'all going to get the pre-trade the pre uh, trade deadline blog cast. And then y'all going to get the post back-to-back. So y'all be on the lookout for that. Y'all gonna have two hours of enjoyment. Um, definitely watch them in sequence or listen to them in sequence because the entertainment level is probably gonna double, double based off of how we felt before the trade deadline and how we feel right now. As always, if you want to contact you from the clutch, you can do so by leaving us a voice note on any of the podcasting platforms where we are hosted. You can also reach us via email at viewsfromtheclutch at gmail.com. Tag us on social media at views from the clutch on Facebook and Instagram. Let's get it started. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. you running point because you got the you 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 were the one who was blowing up my um my phone with with all the lovely trade tidbits and getting my my immediate reactions. Um, all right, hold on. So, do we want to revisit the uh, twelve team situation or do we want to work with what's new? Um, we we I mean we could let's just work on. Today's stuff. I mean, we could real brief. We could talk about um, Houston trading Clint Cambella, but we talked about the, the last episode. So uh, let's talk about one of the surprises: Andre Drummond getting traded to Cleveland for a bag of chips. For word, for like a bunch of all kinds of nobodies. You know, what a I'm bag of chips and a um, stale, rebate. Word, a rebate chips. to Dollar Tree. Dollar Tree. No, you got a dollar. You got a. You get a. They got the right to exchange picks with Dollar General and um, Family Dollar. Word, but which was just crazy because I'm like, and what sense? What sense does that make? Well, there was no leverage any longer in Detroit's possession, and Atlanta pounced on it. Detroit played a very dangerous game with the Andre Drummond situation that we alluded to, or I may have alluded to yesterday. That 28 million dollar option is something that teams trading for him could literally just hang over Detroit's head and say, how can you expect us to want to give you serious value when we know the moment that he plays for our team, which is Atlanta, we're a non-playoff team. Well, is it Atlanta he got traded? Oh, he got traded to Cleveland. Cleveland, okay. So even Cleveland. So again, it's another situation like I alluded to with Atlanta. You're trading for a guy for next year. But he's only guaranteed for this year. So when you trade for that guy, it has to be an expectation or a hope that you can A, re-sign him to a long-term deal, or B, he's going to opt into that player option and you know he's locked in at least for one more year. So what a team trading a guy away like that has is little to no leverage. And this is what the Detroit Pistons came to understand. If we're going to make it clear that our goal is to just flat out 
move Andre Drummond, we're going to have to move him. And whatever we get is what we're going to have to get because we don't want him here past the trade deadline. So, unfortunately, Detroit made it clear that they didn't have any faith in themselves as a franchise and being able to retain Andre Drummond. They clearly were making it aware that they're moving into some sort of rebuilding mode. So, I'm expecting, you know, a, a, a domino effect. We're probably going to see – is Reggie Jackson expiring? Yeah, I think – I believe so. So, you got Reggie Jackson expiring. They're burdened down only by Blake Griffin's contract, which in this era where we've said – Pretty much every contract we come across that was once immovable is, is now movable. Um, mm-hmm. They're probably exploring their options in the near future. I would say sometime within the next six to eight months and what they can do with the Blake Griffin situation to get themselves from underneath that. And we're going to be looking at the Detroit Pistons becoming the new version of, you know, Atlanta Hawks, Knicks, Suns. You know, the teams that are truly, truly rebuilding and figuring themselves out from the bottom up. So I don't know how they're going to get from underneath the Blake situation, but I no longer cast doubt on anybody being able to be stuck. You know, we thought Chris Paul was stuck. We kind of thought Russell Westbrook was stuck. Yeah, but at least those those guys could be on the court playing. Blake got two years at at least $37 million. He got 36 and a half. Next year, and then on the following season, he got $39 million. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, and he's not playing, and we got no sign of when he's going to be playing. Well, the reason why he's not playing is this. First off, he had a knee debridement. A knee debridement in six to eight weeks. He's been out already going on month number one and a half. They could bring him back. They chose not to. Because, again, this is about, like I said, heading towards the rebuild. So you don't put your franchise player out there and start to win games and disrupt the, the, uh, again, everybody is doing this tactical. You can kind of see where certain teams feel or how they feel about this year's draft, but how they behave at the trade deadline. So Cleveland in a belief that they can't move Kevin Love, they go and get Andre Drummond because the risk reward is low. If Drummond doesn't come back, they still only have, they still only have um, Kevin Love's contract on their books to move. And they can move that in the offseason the moment they find out that Drummond's not coming back. If Drummond doesn't activate that option, Cleveland's not offering him a long-term deal. You, do you, are you with me on that? Do you think Cleveland will offer him a long-term deal? Yeah, no, no, I know, but, this, but there is that strong chance he can activate that deal. And then that- so he activates that deal, and now you have a top-tier center, a top-tier power forward. You have a backcourt that is learning how to play, to play with each other on the fly. Tristan Thompson's contract is expiring. You've already gotten rid of the, the, the middle of the pack contracts that didn't make sense on your team. You still have Larry Nance, who you can elevate to play, you know, backup four and five for you when you want to go small. So when you want to roll out a shooting lineup and have only one non-shooter, you can choose now between Larry Nance or Andre Drummond, depending on which guy shoots better at free throws. Yeah, but and then you can go ahead. No, I would say um, Tristan Thompson's deal expires this season. Correct. So he's off the books. Yeah. So next year, you're not even dealing with the, what, what was he getting? 18, he was in the, 18 he was and a half. 18 million. So, right. That's Capella money. So now you're shedding $18 million in salary. So you have room if Drummond, like, like I said, Cleveland kind of played this wisely. 
They know that they're not going to, because they're probably not going to let Drummond play much the rest of this year. One of those two guys is going to have their minutes drastically reduced. Either you're going to basically hide Tristan Thompson because you couldn't move him and let him rest for the remainder of the year. That's your favor to a veteran who obviously wanted to be on a team where he could compete for a championship in, this, in the championship run. He's not going to get that, but he's giving, your t- he's giving your franchise everything you could ever ask for. So if Tristan asks for a vacation, he's going to get it. If, if Kevin Love asks for a vacation, he's going to get it. If Andre Drummond asks for a vacation, he's going to get it. Cleveland does not have one of the best records in the league, so they're already slated if they didn't give away their draft pick rights this year to be in contention for a top 10, top 5 pick. You already have two top five picks on your roster from Colin Sexton and Darius Garland in your backcourt. And you've seen enough to believe that they're the wave of the future because you let go of their backup who you'd already cut their minutes in Brandon Knight. So Cleveland is lining themselves up. Colby Altman, for, you know, whatever can be said, he's doing okay in the post-LeBron rebuild structure. The one thing that he probably hesitates and feels bad about is giving Kevin Love that money thinking he can move him. So if you had moved Kevin Love at the point where you had opportunity to extend him, you're probably a year ahead. But because you didn't, now you have to deal with that situation of balancing which one of these two, you know, do we, do we look to hold on to? We know we have Kevin Love, but now we can't throw Andre Drummond a long-term deal because we don't want a long-term deal with Andre Drummond unless it's going to be favorable to us when it comes to cap space. But they can still go ahead and give Andre Drummond a five-year $125 million deal if they want to because their draft pick, his salary position is only going to be 3 to $5 million. So you're not going to really lose much flexibility and you kind of have a semi-competitive team to trot out there in a division where really, who are you looking up at? You're looking at up at Milwaukee and Indiana. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, Indiana, Detroit. Right, well, There's too much time on, on these dudes. Let's, let's work on the next trade, man. I, I'm, I'm scratching my head. But, um, Yo, D'Lo, D'Angelo Russell, got what he wanted. He got traded to the um, Minnesota Timberwolves for your man. Your man. He got traded from – D'Lo got traded from the Golden State Warriors to the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves in exchange for Andrew Wiggins and a 2021 first-round draft pick and a 2021 second-round um, draft pick. The, 21, the 2021 pick, pick is top three protected. Which is crazy because – what I would have thought that Golden State would have asked for the 2020 pick. That way it would be this season's pick, not next year's, because next year gives them time to develop. You could ask for it, but you could also be told no, no you could, which I no. think was the breaking point. It could have been. And I think been. Golden State, again, got everybody who made these deals today, these were the guys where the deal had already been put on the table and it only hadn't been consummated because one of those two teams wasn't either giving or getting what they had asked for when it was initially proposed. We had heard that Golden State and Minnesota had abandoned talks. Am I... Am I yeah, am yeah, I, yeah, of course, of course. Obviously, they, somebody was lying. They were still continuing to talk, but I'm thinking that the budget points were these draft picks. So getting a top three protected draft pick for Minnesota for next year still kind of makes sense because Minnesota, even by adding D'Angelo Russell... They didn't get markedly better. They just got a better basketball sense-wise combination. Those two guys are friends. They wanted to play together. D'Angelo's locked up. Carl Anthony Towns was untradeable as, as per, go, as per um, Minnesota's 
you know, their front office, they weren't ever going to let him go. So you get him a guy that he wants to play with in D'Angelo Russell. Uh-huh. That, that, that mission you, has been accomplished. And you, and you sew up your point guard. And you basically free a guy in Andrew Wiggins who simply didn't fit the franchise. So try to tell I, you. And I, again, Andrew Wiggins getting traded to Golden State is not, is not an insult to Andrew Wiggins' talent. It's a compliment. He gets to be the new Harrison Barnes. Mm-hmm. And his deal is already taken care of. And let me ask you something. Right now, no, I said who is the needed, better player? He needed a change of scenery. That's what I was saying when the season started. Who's the better player? Who's the better player? Harrison Barnes or Andrew Wiggins? Who would you take? Ooh. Um, I think I would take... Golly, they both are overpriced contracts. Um, I'm not talking about the contract. I think, I'm talking I think, about the basketball I think, player. I think for the fit, I would take Harrison Barnes only because I know he could play up to playing a small ball four, and he's already in a system where he, he's okay with being the third or fourth option. Andrew Wiggins was the number one and number two option, and we have to see how he takes that new role on of being the third to fourth option. How he takes on the role of being... Uh, okay. Because some guys, so, so you would take Harrison Barnes. That was yeah, 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 absolutely. That was long-winded, but you got to it. I mean, your Andrew Wiggins slander continues. Not even. I'm cool. just saying, I would take Harrison Barnes. Okay, so next question. As currently constructed with Golden, Golden State's potential roster of Stephen Curry at the one, Clay Thompson returning at the two, Andrew Wiggins at the three, Draymond at the four, Insert token big guy at the five. Is Golden State back on track to be a top five team in the West? You don't need Andrew Wiggins for that. That's not the question I asked you. <laughs> you see, you trying to ice it up for your man, though. You trying? To- I'm not trying to ice it up for my man. I'm I'm, I'm trying to talk basketball. It is. It, no, it, without slander. Again, I'm, I'm just again, trying to get to the basketball a, element of it. It's a good. It's a it's a it's a player that fits better than D'Angelo Russell. Andrew Wiggins fits better for um, the Warriors. Have you been working? Have you been working on your your, your step backs and your sidestep dribbles? Because that's what you're doing right now. <laughs> Not even. I mean, it's it's great work. I mean, if if I was the drill coach right now, I'd be like, everybody get down and watch C. Grant. That is how you sidestep a defender. That is how you step back. Because that's exactly <laughs> what you're doing. <laughs> that the question that I asked you, and in, in, in the best English I could conform was what I asked. What you're saying right now is gobbledygook. It addresses nothing close to what I'm asking you. So on that note, let's move on to your team. The Knicks made a trade. Yeah. The Knicks got, uh, they traded Markeith Mar- no, uh, Marcus Morris Sr. Uh, to the Clippers for Mo Harkless. And I think it was a couple of draft picks or a draft Did pick. Did Mo Harkless play for the Knicks before? No, 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 no. no Mo Harkless. He played at St. John's. He played at St. John's, yes. Okay, but he, so that's why I'm used to seeing him at the Garden. Okay, yo, cool. but he's got to feel like crap. How you go from one of the top contenders to win a title to one of the bottom teams in the league? Who possibility they might not even what top contenders to win the title? Oh, you mean getting traded from the Clippers? Yeah, you go from first to worst, basically. And you know what I mean? Getting that now, technically, the um, he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't uh shining bright like a diamond in L.A. He was still the same guy that he was in Portland and every other team he played for before. So the fact that you got traded for a guy who has a gun 
in the playoffs. But I'm saying approaching. If, if you him. Reality check. I need a gun. Mo Harkless, get into the gym. Go down to John Jay College where we let all the pro players play and get a gun. No, no. I'm, get a gun. I'm saying for him, he's got to feel like crap. I don't care. I really don't. I know you don't this is, care. That's a, ref, that's a reflection of his talent or his lack of skill. The same way that we decry Ben Simmons for not being willing to take jump shots, let's go ahead and talk about Mark Maurice Harkless' ability to make them. Because he actually takes them. Mm-hmm. And he's not a good shooter. No, no, no. Yet. Of course not. Well, he's been in the league. I mean, again, he's been in the league for nine years? No, eight years. This is... Harkless has been in the league eight years? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. He been, he... That's even worse than I thought. I thought he was like a five, six. No, he's been player. in the league. He's been, he played with, he got drafted by Orlando. Uh, he played with Orlando for three years. Then he played for Portland for uh, four years. And then, Seven, and right then now, right here, Los, the Clippers is his eighth year. If you and wow. his career high for scoring for a season is 10 points a game back in 2016. I'm not even going to dwell uh, on his yeah, yeah. go to his three point percentage. Oh, he's yeah, he's bad. Uh, well, this this year he's shooting 37 percent, but he's only taking like one, which a, is one a game, slightly above, slightly above the league average, and he's only playing 16 to 18 minutes, uh, a game? 22 minutes a game, 22 minutes. So, him getting one or two threes up a game in the Clippers yeah. system is expected. He's not supposed to be a value three-point shooter. Mm-hmm. When he comes in the game, he's also he's also contingent upon what, who, Landry Shamit is there. Yeah, he's yeah, not yeah. going to be there shooting threes. And then you got Patrick Patterson, and then you got Jermichael Green. Mm-hmm. All of those bigs take threes. So and they use him, him as a, a small ball four, you know, because he's what and five. Yeah, and five, depending yeah. on who's healthy that game. Exactly. So one thing I give credit to more Hawks for, he's a very intelligent basketball player who plays within what's required of him. But again, when you don't have a gun and it gets to the playoffs, you become borderline unplayable, which is why Portland moved off of him Mm -hmm. and Alfarik Aminu at the same time. Yeah. Because you had two guys who were duplicates of each other, essentially. Very good glue guys, but you can't have them both. Exactly. And And if you couldn't keep one, you might as well move both, which is what they did. Portland moved off those guys. Obviously, it affected them dramatically. We, we see that. A lot of Portland's offseason moves or moves in between now and this season were just busts. Mm. It's not a reflection of them being – and I think we had rated their GM to be pretty good, but unfortunately, this has been a bad run for him academically from a basketball perspective. Um, Isaiah Thomas, who was also moved from – Washington. To the Clippers, Clippers. was promptly waived. Mm -hmm. So now you got Isaiah Thomas as a free agent, and um, Boston, 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 Boston. Did Boston didn't make any trades? You think Boston is going to try to bring him back? Why wouldn't you? Uh, well, another. Do, Do you have a different? Do you have a different coach from the one who made him a star? No, you have the same guy. Do you have personnel group who isn't familiar with all of the Isaiah Thomas plays? No, you don't. You have. Uh, I don't watch know. for watch for watch for a story to have its you know its its bow on it, and if Isaiah Thomas somehow winds up in Boston, just don't be surprised. Okay. No, no, uh, I'm not. I'm saying what I'm saying is. Boston's need is kind of more so for you. Keep talking about needs, man. If if Danny, Trader Danny, agreed that a big was what they needed, he would have went and got it. 
he would have went and got it. We, as basketball analysts, perceive that the Celtics can't win without a true interior big that can play X amount of minutes and so on and so forth. <sighs> I think Trader Danny and, and, and Brad Stevens are happier with their team. And remember, they're coming off a sorrow season. That whole Kyrie season was miserable for everybody. Mm-hmm. They're happy. Do you really want to play with that chemistry right now? And I think that's what Boston is saying is we'll accept chemistry and whatever comes of it over thinking that this is our year to win a championship and we got to do something to push the window open when we may not need to. I don't think Boston believes that their window requires them to do anything as stupid or dramatic as what Philadelphia did. I just think that's where they're at with it. They have a two-headed monster and Ennis Cantor on offense who's also one of the league's best offensive rebounders, and they have a defensive player in Daniel Thies, and they feel like they can move Jason Tatum up and down the four line where you can have him at any given time play the four, the three, and if you want to go big, have him play the two. You have Jalen Brown, who you can do the same thing with, and you have Gordon Hayward that you can do the same thing with. Then you also have Marcus Smart, who you can do a variable of three different positions. And we've seen, we've seen Marcus Smart guard Giannis. So... I don't think they're afraid. And every team that they've played for the money, they played them pretty well. I mean, I think mm-hmm. on Christmas, I think on Christmas they got manhandled by Toronto or they manhandled Toronto one way or the other. It wasn't, you know, they've had those games, those swing games or whatever. They, I, I think they had a nice conversation with Philly. Nobody's afraid of them. They know that if they play a team mm. that's super big like Indiana, that Indiana won't be able to match with, with them in the half court in a, in a seven-game series. I, I think... I think they're more confident in what they have at 35 and 15 than we give them credit for. We, from the outside, including everybody in the basketball world that does analytics, you know, that, that analyzes things, has pointed to Boston needing a true big. And Boston's never been outwardly asking for it, so I'm not surprised they didn't go get one. But the fact that Kimba has been in and out of the rotation and their backup point guard is essentially a first- or second-year player, and the other guy is Brad Wanamaker, who's been getting most of those minutes, I wouldn't be surprised if you go get an Isaiah because you're getting him for free mm. for the playoff run in a city that's going to make him feel like his hip works correctly. No, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. I mean, um, all right, were, we talked about Iguodala last, the, uh, the last podcast, but um, I know they, they finalized, finalized the trade. They tried, well, they added the pieces. Remember last night I was saying Solomon Hill and Jay Crowder were told to sit out. They also, mm-hmm. they, they are also going along with, Iguodala to Miami. Mm-hmm. So in exchange for Deion Waiters, Justice Winslow, and James Johnson. Mm-hmm. And then James Johnson got moved twice. Yeah, he got moved to uh, Minnesota, I believe, for Gordy Jang. Yeah, so, Gordy Jang uh, is going to... Uh, Miami. Right? Is it Miami? No, he's going to... Uh, Memphis? It might be Memphis. Hold on. I think I, think, what I, I, think I sent it to you, actually. Yeah, you uh, did. I think Gorgie is going to Memphis. He's not touching Miami. Um, I think this is saying he was going to Miami, I thought. All right, either way. I mean, either way. Um, so what do you think of that? The fact that um, I think Miami is – how much better do you think Miami got with those addition of those players? With Jay Crowder, Iguodala, and Solomon Hill, who – you know, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I uh, they. I wonder if they'll. Re- I don't know if they'll. Re- I wonder if they'll release Solomon Hill. I think he might be the odd man out. 
But I don't know. I don't know what their um Miami's philosophy is. I think it might gave gave him a better. Bench. Oh, but you see, you 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 just skimmed right over it. Uh, where's Deion Waiters going to be playing? Deion Waiters is going to um Memphis, but they're probably going to release him. They don't how? have no need for him. How? What do you mean how? How? Why can't players get released in the last year of their deal? Isn't this the last year's deal, or he's got one more year? I think he's got one more year. Oh well, hold on. Let me let me look it up real quick. I thought he was uh, expiring contract. Maybe not though. Um, I'm gonna look it up real quick. I'm pulling it up too, so that we're. Uh... Oh, he's got one more year. He's got one more year. So again, they might try to maybe they'll try to buy Memphis to try to buy him out because I don't. Oh yeah, Memphis, the team that doesn't do buyouts is going to buy out. I said maybe. They told the world. They told the world we will only trade Iguodala. And what did they do? They held fast. Yeah. And they made every team in the league sweat it out and finally give up something. And they literally extorted. But but again, Iguodala has more value than the uh, waiters. You know what I mean? Because I'm not speaking about waiters in any type of like, you know, not in the, not that I have anything against them. I don't have a, I really don't have a referendum to to, to bring to the table when it comes to Deion Waiters. I just wanted to point out the fact that he's no longer on the Miami Heat. Honestly. Oh, got um, you, got you, got you. And that was something that a lot of people, like, again, it just goes back to what I said. We all felt like every time we feel like there's a guy who can't get moved. Yeah, they find a way to move him. They they find a way to move him. And to sneak Deion Waiters out in the middle of the night the way they did, you know, kudos go to Miami. Because obviously they got rid of a situation that was a problem in their locker room. You know, just being real. Like that whole situation, how it was handled. You know, it became a problem in a situation that they were going to have to confront, and they found a taker, and they were able to get Iguodala somewhere where he feels like he's going to be on a contender, and, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, then also, what do you think of, um, like, Philadelphia? They uh, they traded um, Glenn Rob- – well, they got they, – they Philadelphia received Alex Burks and Glenn Robinson the third from the Warriors. I still don't think that addresses their shooting. Um, I don't really see... I don't think either guy is like a knockdown shooter. You know what I mean? I think they're both kind of slashers that are having, in my opinion, they're having better years because you're playing on the you know the worst team in the NBA. You know what I mean? It's like... Georgie Dang is going to the Grizzlies. Oh, he's going to... Okay, he's going to... Memphis. He was traded. That was, that was who James Johnson got flipped for. Gotcha. Um, you said moving on to Philadelphia and what yeah. they did, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Can we move away from that? Because oh. I really don't have any interest whatsoever in talking about the phenomenally retarded shit that Philadelphia has been doing lately. And you just went and added guys who literally Golden State was given playing time because they had nothing better to do. Very similar. Yeah, I don't understand and, what's going and, on. And it's not a knock on Alec Burks or Glenn Robinson. Junior, because first off, those two guys are two young men who bust their ass to even be in the league. I give Glenn Robinson III a lot of credit. He won a slam dunk contest, I believe, too, mm-hmm. or competed in one. But no, he long story short, so I, I, I respect him, and I always respect that Alec Burks. Hey, his name is Alec, so you know I'm going I'm to have a little bit of favoritism towards a guy who has a name similar to mine. But long story short, neither one of those guys are 
run out and close out guys when it comes to shooting the three ball. Exactly. And none of those guys have a history of being a playoff threat. Exactly. And when you're in the trade deadline era time of the season and you go out and acquire guns, you need to acquire guns that people are afraid of. And mm-hmm. I just don't see anybody saying, hey, whatever you do, don't leave Alec Burks open. Don't leave Glenn Robinson the third open. Like, mm-hmm. So, yeah, Philly, nice try. Y'all swung. Missed. Y'all got something. But, you know, there's a lot of air in that swing that y'all had. You know what I'm saying? It was a Tyson Haymaker pass his prom. Good luck with that. <laughs> um, look, man, I, I don't, I don't want to be so anti-Philadelphia because we do have a lot of listeners who consider the Philadelphia 76ers to be their favorite team. And I'm nobody's hater. Again, I have stated that I will no longer be the one to cape for Ben Simmons because, again, as long as you have been outshot from three by Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee, <laughs> there's not really much I can do to stand on it. Like, Andrew, I'm holding it down for you. Wiggins, listen, holler at me. Tag us on, tag us on social media and say, I appreciate you, bro, because I see what you're about to do next year. First off, I'm going to enjoy what you get to do for the remainder of the year, Golden State, because you're going to get to learn the post split. You're going to get to learn true basketball. You've never had a truly great coach wait. since you've been in the league. Oh, wait, wait. You moved from Philadelphia that fast? That's right. That's right. So, wait. So, right. All right. So, let's talk about Giannis and LeBron picking the um, all-star teams, huh? Okay. Let's not go back to Andrew Wick. Come on. I'm trying to slide that. I'm trying to slide your man in there. I'm trying to slide your man in there. Yeah, you was getting back on defense. You was like, wait a minute. Oh, you trying to slide your man tra- in there, son. He's traveling. Oh, we trying to flip right, your man, son. All right, so back to um Wait, 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 wait. Let's let's be fair to the rest of the trades. Hold on. Who else? Uh the Rockets did something. Well, they got uh, they got Clint Compella. They moved Clint, they Capella, got, Clint Capella yeah. for Robert Covington. And they moved Jordan Bell for Bruno Caboclo. Oh, wow. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. So, Jordan Bell, no need for you to get ready to go to Houston. You're not going. So, where is he going? Um, He's going to Memphis? Yeah. Oh, okay. Memphis is reloaded quietly. Yo, qu- with a lot of guys that make sense for what they're doing. They have literally gutted their bench and a player that they weren't getting anything out of on a team that's in the position to be in the eighth seed. Listen, mm-hmm. I don't think they probably can move up much as far as playoff seeding goes, but, man, the Lakers are going to have a headache. You got a whole bunch of young, scrappy kids. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they'll probably still get swept, but it'll be one of those sweeps where every game will go down to the last five minutes and yeah. veteran leadership and, you know, those mm-hmm. type of things. Experience will probably win those games for them, but they're going to be a tough out. They're going to be a tough out because, remember, they swapped down. Justice Winslow now is going to probably be their de facto secondary point guard on that unit that they have. Hmm. And, okay. and, and he's going to be looking at, you know, a lot of guys who have NBA experience. Georgie Ding has been a backup center for pretty much his whole entire existence in the league. He started until um, Carl Anthony Towns got drafted. But that's your second line big. And he's been a legitimate starter. And then who else did they get? Uh, 
they have Jordan Bell, who has playoff experience in Golden State. Mm-hmm. They got a nice little core of guys who aren't that old, but have been around and been through some things. Yeah. They're gonna they're gonna grow into a, a nice little monster. Over and Valanciunas, it will get you twenty five points every now and then. You know, he, yeah. He, and he's starting to shoot threes. Yeah, so, yeah. And, you, and like I said, and Jaron like Jackson, spoke about, they're going to yeah. be a hard matchup. And Dylan Brooks, like mm-hmm. I said on the last cast, he goes 17 and 1. Oh, shout out to Dylan won. Brooks. He just got a, he just got an um, extension for three years, $35 million. So, they got him for three and 35. Yeah. You see? Well, remember, he was, and now Memphis he was is, a second round draft pick. Right. It doesn't matter what he was picking. The point is, is that they got him for the loan. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. That's a Dinwiddie contract. Exactly. Which I'm surprised, which is I'm surprised is that Dinwiddie and Levert are still in Brooklyn. I'm really surprised by it. There's a lot. Listen, I'm surprised they are, but I'm also surprised Gallinari didn't get flipped because there was talks that he was supposed to get flipped to Miami, and then that broke down like almost as fast as those that name his name came about. But yeah, what I keep telling you, I keep telling you about Sam Presti, man. Like he he knows how to bait people, mm-hmm. and then not really. Well, what did Oklahoma City really do or not do this trade deadline? Nothing. They ain't do nothing. Nothing. So they're telling you. We're, we're, we're ready for whoever's going to be the second seed. Yeah. We're ready for y'all. And it's going to be a problem. And, you know, there's a lot of Clippers fans that I'm, you know, they, I didn't know they existed until this year. But there's a lot of Clippers fans out there who they've got their eyes on the Lakers. And I keep trying to remind them, like, listen, man, I'm not debating that they have a team that can beat the Lakers. That's not even up for debate. They've already done it as far as the regular season goes. Mm-hmm. But the Clippers have problems with a lot of teams in the West that they're going to have to see before they even get to the Western Conference Finals. Don't book their ticket. Don't book their ticket. And again, going back to the original trade we started with, or one of the original trades we started with, does Marcus Morris really move the needle that much for them? So let's look at their backup forward situation. They still have Jermichael Green. He's a four and a five. Mm-hmm. They still have Patterson. He's a four and a five. Mm-hmm. They now have Marcus Morris, who's a three and a four. Mm-hmm. They've got Shamit. Who's their backup point guard? Uh, that's going to be the question. I think, um, yeah, I don't know who their backup point because they got rid of the, the they got rid of one of their backup point guards. And remember, Trez Trez don't start. Mm-hmm. What position does he play? Center. Four and a five. Yeah. So they have a New York Knicks problem. You know what? I'm not going to do it. Doc Rivers is going to figure it out. He's one of the, the, the great coaches in the NBA. I'm not going to throw too much doubt heavily on the Clippers. Again, being that I'm a Lakers fan, it's just not going to come off right if I say it. But their roster construction does leave some room for concern. And y'all just be on the lookout for that. I think the buyout market is going to be the next step for a lot of these teams to finalize what they're going to go into the mm-hmm. stretch run with. So, like I said, guys like Isaiah Thomas getting picked up because, again, he's he's a veteran with experience, and he actually was playing pretty decent for the Wizards. You can tell more than I can, but how did he look out there? Uh, honestly, there were some games he looked okay, and his other games, it was like, man, this dude, he looked kind of lost because it was a lot of times. It was a lot of He had a lot of, like, three for 12 shooting nights where some of those shots were forced, and he just looked out of sync sometimes. And again, you know, his de- defensively, he's, you know, kind of a liability, so. Kind of? You know, I'm trying to be nice, you know. Yeah, okay, I appreciate that. If you got, if you got Isaiah Thomas guarding your coach in the playoffs, that's his best defensive position. <laughs> you can catch that when y'all play it back on the, on the cast. Um, 
let me see if there's any other trade related thing before we jump into the, the all-star thing. The reason why I did this and I apologize is because I feel like once we start talking all-star, we're not going to really go back mm-hmm. into oh, the trade. Well, let's, we, we did talk about how, um, what should we call it? The fact that, uh, no, we talked about, we already talked about the Philadelphia situation and we talked about how, you know, a lot of people were coming out talking. Yeah, but what's your take? Do you feel like that pushes the needle for Philly? No, no, no. I really, honestly, I, I don't feel like that did, they did any better because I feel like you got a bunch of slashers and a team that needs spacing. So it's the middle is still going to be clogged up. And those guys, yeah, maybe they get more points on their bench, but I don't necessarily see how that works overall, like in the long term. This is even in the, like even for the rest of the season. I don't see like even one of these guys doing anything, you know, that's worthwhile. Like, OK, you know what? Now I see why you got them. Nah. All right. So now so now let's go to Miami. Does Eagle Dollar and everything else that Miami has done suddenly give you belief that they are somehow going to be able to beat Toronto or Milwaukee I, in a seven-game series? I think, let me say this, with Eagle Dollar's experience and depending on how they match him up, him helping those younger players develop. What younger players left? What do you mean younger players? They got Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn, Tyler Hero. Bam okay, so let's Byron. go over their skill set. Let's go over their skill set. Duncan Robinson came into the league with a gun. Uh, Tyler Hero has a gun. Yeah, but he can still tell him what... Eagle Dollar's played in the league for 45,000 years and he can't fucking shoot unless it's a random you don't think he can clutch talk, opportunity. talk to the players and give them confidence? Sometimes locker room guys are needed. Oh, no, no, I'm not debating that. He'll definitely be the veteran well, that's what I'm who saying. can no, drive to the basket and kick it yeah, out Yeah, and that's the like, only angle. He's going to be angle. that, yo, when I pass the ball, do you shoot? That's the confidence that they have. They already had that. But again, they already had that. They, they, he, this is gonna add something to the table. I mean, this, this, all this is is Jimmy Butler relief. So now you have an opportunity where you can give Eagle Dollar minutes that you don't have to give back to J- Jimmy Butler. Yeah, you, you don't have to add minutes thirty-seven load. minutes a game. In. Right, you can you can lower his minutes load as you get into the playoffs because he has a guy who you know you can put on the floor for fifteen minutes and at least give you the equivalent of Butler's defensive output, and he'll share the ball to the guys who need to get those shots who Miami has kept. Mm-hmm. So I see where he fits in, but pushing them past, okay, maybe they could beat Toronto now. And even that, that means that Jimmy Butler somehow finds a way to guard Siakam for seven games or make Siakam not have a good series. The combination of him and Iguodala, mm-hmm. maybe they can do that. And that's how you can, that's how you get at Toronto because honestly, they do go as Siakam goes when he has bad games. Of course. It's really tough for them to overcome. So I can see them being closer to Toronto because Toronto is a big gap from where we, we see Milwaukee, even from a record standpoint, and even just from like a on the court capability. Like I really see Milwaukee having one of those 15 and 0 type of playoff runs to get to the finals. Like they're really going to do teams greasy. Yeah, whoever, and whoever's if, the AFC, and if they get the right. right combination, and if they get the right combination of teams to face off against, so the first round, who are they looking at right now? The number one seed out east. Uh, hold on one second. Let me look that up. Milwaukee plays. If the playoffs started today, Milwaukee play Jersey. No, Orlando. So that's a sweep. Sweep, and then they get the four or the five winner after that. that Who's the four and five? That's Miami Indiana and or Miami. Miami. Miami and who else? Who's the five? Indiana. 
That's just it. Did Miami get better than Indiana? Oh, uh, I think they might have. I mean, against like I said, some of these, some of the veteran players that are coming, you got. And mind you, the one playoff series Miami should not want it, is to have to play those Pacers, the same team that Jimmy Butler started all that smoke with, mm-hmm. and now Oladipo's back, and you're gonna see them for seven games in the first round. Yeah, well, it's rivalries that made from. Yeah, and Jimmy Butler gonna learn what it's like to be on the losing end of a rivalry playing with the Black Panther, bro. Because I feel like the more mileage he accumulates in the regular season without Indiana having any slippage and all those plug and play guards they lost that they've been straight. getting by with, they lost. Yeah. So. Again, you're gonna go through that mm-hmm. when you're integrating a guy as talented as Oladipo. I'm pretty sure those guys have been watching him in practice. Like, yo, man, you you missed the I believe I can fly, and now we get in the games. You're not showing that. And they're ready to. Mm-hmm. Give him the reins back, and his body isn't. So it's gonna take time. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah easily, he's, easily. He's, but he's still getting up almost the same amount of shots. So that's what, again. It's just timing. Because when I've watched him play a couple of times, I was, he doesn't look that explosive yet. Yeah, I mean, he, and he's got the flashes of okay, he got this. But it's just it's just rhythm and time. In fact, you got to think about it. it's his first game in a year where guys mm-hmm. are already in midseason form. He's not even in preseason form yet. You know, mm-hmm. so it's going to give him some time. Again, you know, they'll they'll be all right. They'll the Pacers will hang around that fourth or fifth seed. You know, between four and because six. their defense is just that good. So mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to just easily get rid of them. And I think Miami's in for a problem if they don't accelerate to get a record better than, than you. Know, listen, Miami don't need to be playing Indiana in the first round, and I'm I'm content doing that. All right, Tom. Now let's go to this all-star roster. Oh, yeah. Um, now, real quick, shout-out to Iguodala for getting that bag. He didn't have to play a whole season, play golf for, like, $19 million this season, and he finessed him in getting about $15 million next season. And he's 36 years old. So big shout-out to him and his agent. Two-year, $30 million extension, player option in the second no, year. Team, so team, he's team on another guarantee. Team, team option. Op- team third, option, yeah. second year. Yeah. So he's sitting on another 15 M's. So think and about he get thirty five million dollars for playing a year and a half possibly, because he been out this whole first half of the season nineteen almost nineteen to twenty million dollars, so he get thirty five million dollars in two years. He only played half a year and a half, if if lucky. Woo. Shout out to you, man. I'm pretty sure you that. and Chandler Parsons, you and Chandler Parsons got similar agents. I guess you do. I can't knock at you, but on that note, we're gonna go into the All Star. Rosters now that they have been officially completed, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. um, I spoke to my sentiments to you offline, so it's just now time to bring it. I'm gonna read off Team Giannis, and can you read off Team LeBron? Yeah, yeah, let's let's do it. So, so starting with Team Giannis, we have Giannis Antetokounmpo, Bam Adebayo, Joe Embiid, Rudy Gobert, Pascal Siakam, Jimmy Butler, Kimball Walker. Kyle Lowry, Trey Young, Brandon Ingram, Chris Middleton, and Donovan Mitchell on Team Giannis. Yep, and then uh, team and Le- on Team LeBron, Le- obviously LeBron James, Ben Simmons, Anthony Davis, uh, the Joker, Kawhi Leonard, Jason Jason Tatum, uh, Luca, Chris Paul, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Damian Lillard, and Sabonis. Ooh wee. Um, in the immortal words of NBA Jam, it's a blowout. Yo, this got to be crazy. Listen, I don't, 
I'll never be one to doubt the league MVP. Let's just put that on record. Giannis, I see what you're doing from a friendship perspective, which is uh, weird because you've been the first one to tell everybody you, you're not really about friends when it comes to your NBA career. But you went out and basically got as much Africa on your team as you could. So it's you. It's Bam Adebayo. It's Joel Embiid. And it's Pascal Siakam. So you have pretty much the African continent on your roster. It's cute. I do think you guys have defenders, but I think the fact that you'll be relying so much on three of the smallest guards in the NBA to bring the ball up the court, that there's going to be issues as this game progresses. LeBron's team, what was that small lineup I threw out at you? That small lineup that they have is death. You got LeBron, and let's not even figure out what position you would have them play. But you could throw a five-man lineup out there where you got Harden, Luka, Kawhi, LeBron, and or Ben Simmons or Anthony Davis, depending on if you want ball handling or interior play. Mm-hmm. And then your little guys, your, your little guys are three of the most angry men who have ever played basketball in basketball history. You have Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, and Damian, somebody take my sneakers away, Lillard. Logo Lillard. Yeah, and like I said, I don't... And what's so crazy, I'm looking at Giannis. They picked their teams, and he picked basically the Eastern Conference starters. Like, he, he picked the... He picked the Eastern Con- Conference rosters and added Brandon Ingram. And, and Gobert. Facts. And LeBron, in exchange for his West, he goes against the guy who dunked on him and Jason Tatum and... Ben Simmons. So your trade-off on Eastern Conference guys, the Eastern Conference guys that you let go are Ben Simmons, man, and yeah. DeMontis Sabonis. Man. Yeah, in the situation you would think you would keep Ben Simmons, if I'm honest. That way you put out a roster of dudes that can't shoot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was not expecting that. That was foul. <laughs> That was foul. That's usually my spot on the team, and you took it. Yo. Mm-mm. Yeah, man. Listen. Yeah. Um, I don't even know how entertaining it's going to be to watch the team that Giannis has put together because, like, I mean, Trey I think Young Trey is Young definitely Young entertaining and... by himself. Yeah. Kimba is definitely – he's definitely entertaining. Like, you know, listen, we're, we're, neither one of us are tall guys. I'm 5'10", you're 6 feet tall. We like to see the little guys get busy. So don't ever think that that's not the case. Kimba can get busy. There's not many people you can put in front of him that's going to be able to do anything with him if he decides it's time to start cooking. Same thing with Trey Young. Trey Young is King Nutmeg right now. So I'm never going to put anything past him in a fancy environment where defense is not a premium. But again, with this new format that they have, if LeBron talks to his team and tells them, we're going to go out there and do this for Kobe, by the time it gets to the Kobe fourth quarter, and remember, what's the rule? They have to match what the other team is leading by or whatever, game yeah. to 24 or something like that. Something, something crazy. Might, they might not even be able to – Giannis' team may not even be able to catch him in the fourth quarter. In an all-star game, you making the first team to 24 points win. So the team that gets to 24 before the other – so that means literally if, if, if Team Giannis is looking at a big lead, the only way they can win the all-star game – is to get to 24 before whatever team LeBron puts out there can get to 24. 
All star game quarters usually end with fifty to sixty. 45 to, 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 to 35 quarters because nobody is playing top-tier level defense. You get top-tier level defense in the All-Star game if the game is close within the last five minutes at the most. The, the most epic All-Star game that we can recall is the Allen Iverson one. Mm, with him, with him Steph, on. Steph, and they just, you know, they rep for the little guys out there. Mm-hmm. And obviously, that's a flash in the plan. You can pull it up on YouTube, epic highlight to watch. But other than that, I don't, I don't see Team Giannis having a player with that kind of willpower and influence that can, that, that can pull him to a win. I, I, I think it's going to be an entertaining game because, again, the, the collection of talent that they have, I, I do think Team Africa is going to really dominate the air because there's not many of those guys with length that you can stop once they get a free path to an alley-oop. You got Giannis, who's probably the most immovable paint force in the league right now, besides, you know, what Zion is going to be. But as far as, like, his ability to score inside there is bar none. You got Embiid. You got Adebayo. And you also have Siakam. And all of those guys can get up and down the court. Siakam is the rare one who has the Draymond Green gene where he can take the ball from a rebound and go coast to coast. So I do think there are some entertaining elements to what's going to happen in the All-Star game. But if I'm looking at it on paper, I'm saying Team LeBron should blow the doors off of them. Easily. Easily. I mean, Kawhi gets aggregated for five. Kawhi gets aggravated for five minutes. And he shut down any combination of Trey Young and um, Kimball Walker that you put out there. Either one of those guys. If you decide, oh, yeah, yo, go show them why you the claw. And you know the claw could be the claw for five minutes. Any given five minutes. At any time. And if he's in a position where, you know, locking him down can secure him the all-star game MVP, you know what's about to happen. He's going to jalapeno people shit to the wall, take the ball straight from him like they never was dribbling. Like, listen, man. LeBron, LeBron is the rare, like, let's go through it. Like, there's great players who have tried to have influence on their team rosters, and it's gone bad. Like, if you go back and look at the history of the guys that Michael Jordan asked for and the fact that Chicago said no every time and they turned out to be right at every time because there were times where he went to them and he was like, get me this guy. And they was like, nah, Mike. The only time Mike has been right is when he kept stopping them from trading Pippen. Other than that, his GM moves, they've been fired. But we won't deny that he's arguably one of the greatest players in the league. Same thing goes for Kobe. God bless the dead. There were times where Kobe asked for guys and the Lakers was like, nah, we're not bringing him in. And they turned out to be right. And here we are. We see Team Giannis is, he's, what can you say his his underlying message is with the team that he picked? Team Africa over everybody or international over everybody? East Coast over everybody? What message was he sending when he put this team together? Maybe he didn't realize he could pick people that LeBron picked. Well, I, I think I don't know. Did, did, was there an opportunity to watch this live? There was actually, and I didn't get a chance to watch it. But so it was I'm on because uh, LeBron had his dope um, Kobe and Gigi shirt. Like one, it was like two hearts, and one heart was um, number eight, like a purple number eight, I think, or a yellow number eight, and the other one was no one. One of them, it was Kobe's numbers or Gigi and Kobe's number. I think it was two and twenty-four. Two and twenty-four because Gigi is two. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I said, I, I, I'm going to look at it, you know, so the next time we part, I'm going to figure out 
the order of who went first. But um, but based off of, of how they printed it, it looks like LeBron picked AD first, and then everything trickled down from there. Yeah, I think they said LeBron picked AD first, and then Giannis picked Joel and Beats as his first pick, which I don't know why you do that, but, you know, it is what it is. What? You think he should have picked... <laughs> Yo, Giannis, was you was you sipping Douce? <laughs> you, do you have a game off? Like Milwaukee cannot be possibly playing basketball today if that's what was on his mind when he made that pick. Yeah, they're off today. No, they're blowing out Philadelphia. Oh yeah, Philadelphia's a wrap. They, that's all. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Elton Brand def, definitely. I don't know. I don't know why. I mean, well, the Knicks won tonight. Yeah, come on now. It's the Knicks. Okay, let's go New Orleans. <laughs> they beat they beat Chicago by six. Yeah, Zion, Zion led the team in scoring. He had twenty one on um nine of eleven shooting. Well, nine of eleven layups. All right. <laughs> Being that we got like another like three to five minute window to play with, I wanted to jump into a topic that I hadn't even told you I've been thinking about, but I've been discussing it with friends online for quite a while, and I want your take on it because I already have my own take. Um, we agree that Chicago has a coaching issue, correct? Chicago or Philadelphia, you said? Chicago. Oh, yeah, okay. And we agree that Houston has a coaching issue, correct? Yeah. Well, Dan Tony is. Could, could Dan Tony bring the breast out of what Chicago has? Offensive. Oh, that's probably. I mean, it's Dan Tony. He could bring the, he could bring he can go to, yeah he can go yeah I mean so yeah, yeah. the reason why I bring that up is because Dan Tony's on a lame duck deal mm-hmm. they worked on an extension and they didn't get it in the meantime before they decided not to continue the discussions for the extension they summarily fired all of his staff so they got rid of all of his assistant coaches and they've been quietly or not even quietly pretty much publicly undermining him with the personnel decisions that they made. I think the fact that they got underneath or away from Capella, who was his role man, and I don't think D'Antoni wanted him traded, but I just think he goes along with it. And once Capella was on the block, that's when they go to this sudden small ball lineup. And, you know, Houston gets a couple of token wins here and there, but they didn't really go out and get. And like a lot of people thought like, oh, they must have a deal with a big man that they can just go, you know, grab out of the grocery store. Uh Uh-huh. It doesn't appear as if they went and got that guy. No it way. It really seems like Houston is going to play with P.J. Tucker as the five-man for the remainder of the season and possibly be in the playoffs. That's going to be tough. I don't think Houston is effectively trying to win. And I don't know what kind of impact that's going to have on the players there. I really think that this is the end of the happy-go-lucky Rockets that we know and love or enjoyed watching play. And oh, we yeah, might be walking into a different era with a new coach who is not going to cater to what um to what James Harden does. Mm-hmm. So this could be the effective end of you know the happy-go-lucky Rockets as we know them. And I just wanted to to bring that to light because along with the fact that Dan Tony is more of an East Coast guy, I, I think. I think the writing's on the wall for Chicago to, you know, start looking. Because a guy like Boylan, you can demote him. You don't have to fire him 
you just go out and get the coach that you want to run the offense. And hey, maybe you keep Boylan as the head coach and you bring on Mike D'Antoni as a very expensive offensive coordinator. He's at that age where maybe he doesn't even want to be that guy anymore. It's, there's a lot of situations, but I think that the Bulls and D'Antoni really need to find their way to each other because I think that that could be the combination in getting that Chicago situation right. In. And I just wanted your, your, your take on the idea of D'Antoni having that type of talent to play with with his offensive mind. And I'm glad that you backed me up that, that he would definitely unlock them. So I mean, I don't know. They don't shoot enough threes as a team, so... But again, that doesn't mean that he won't force force them to do so. And we know that they have three point shooters capable on their roster. You have Laurie, you have Kobe White, you have uh-huh. Zach Levine. You, you haven't had Otto Porter for essentially the season. He's a three point shooter. I think that they have enough gun work that D'Antoni would make it make it work. They they would offensively easily move up into, you know, listen, D'Antoni has coached top 10 offenses with and without Russell Westbrook. Nothing can be taken away from a man who can do what he's done offensively. Yeah, I mean, they would would definitely be, I mean, you got to figure that they're three and a half games out of the AC right now. If D'Antoni was the coach, they would definitely probably be, you know, at least, at least four or five games better. You know what I mean? So they would probably be like the seventh seed right now, possibly. And there are two teams in the NBA who have a top ten defense and a losing record, and Chicago's one of them. So again, the situation with Houston was they had Jeff Bizdelic as their defensive coordinator for two years. They had that on-off situation where he left and came back because of Melo. Then they had him last year, and their defense didn't rise above 18th, and that's why they moved off of Bizdelic. Bizdelic said he was going to retire. And New Orleans picked him up. And now he's coaching the defense in New Orleans. And New Orleans, with all those young guys, they play pretty decent defense. Mm -hmm. So you give Dan Tony what he needs to be excellent and a role that he's willing to take, whether you make him the head coach or the offensive coordinator, and you bring him to Chicago, I I think think you have a, a marriage made in heaven because that Chicago team with the talent that they have, they definitely need to be on a positive incline. But, yeah, man, I just wanted to put that thought out there while we had the opportunity to do so. Um, as always, we appreciate y'all for tuning in to Views from the Clutch. Before I stop, see, Grant, is there anything else you wanted to bring to the table? No, everything's straight. Everything. All right, so, again, as always, we appreciate y'all for tuning in to Views from the Clutch. You can reach us by leaving us a voicemail on any of the podcasts and platforms where we are hosted. You can send us a message directly at viewsfromtheclutch at Gmail. You can tag us on social media at Huge from the Clutch on Facebook and Instagram. And on that note, I'm going to say peace. Peace.
Here he is. 